Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. First ever virtual draft for the NFL. We are not virtually coming to you. We're literally coming to you. It's AD and Mike here with you on the GM Shuffle, breaking down what was an eventful round one. First and foremost, Mike, what did you think of the setup? Roger Goodell in his basement, virtual booing. I mean, they set that up. It was a little canned, but he was trying to be a little masterpiece theater for you. Yeah. And then you have all these shots of all these different coaches. John Gruden sitting there. I mean, what did you think of that whole setup? I mean, it was, I was trying to evaluate the setups, you know, it's like, I mean, Mayock looked like he was in a hallway, like, you know, it like was weird. And then, <laughs> you know, Vrabel's got some, I mean, Vrabel looked like it was weird. Like it, Vrabel looked like the, the, they had some guy taking a dump. I mean, somebody sent me a picture of a guy's taking a dump in the background. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it, it was interesting to evaluate the team's rooms. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, uh their setups and and how they were all you know they know the cameras on them so they're trying to pretend that they don't think the cameras it's all so good but you know the Vrabel room I mean I think that might go down for the ages is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life and that's why in this day and age you know Twitter's so great because you're right as soon as you see it somebody's gonna post it soon if you missed it in real time you go wait oh there it is we can break it down like there's a Pruder film yeah exactly and the guy's on the you know classic he's on the phone he's on his phone taking a dump I mean like serious <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, you know, and, and the other thing that was pretty clear to me is nobody was paying attention to the Corona six foot rule. Like that six foot rule was thrown out the window. Obviously, you know, everybody was there. So, I, I mean, I thought it was fun. I, I mean, I didn't really pay attention as much to the coverage. You know, I mean, I think I, I felt bad for Mel because, the, you know, Mel's board and most of these guys board were all over. You know, the thing I found really interesting is is and this is not a disrespect to Mel because Mel's been doing it for years, but ESPN has all these people that I'm watching this yesterday and and it hit me nobody 
nobody on the broadcast last night has ever made a pick. No one ever turned a card in. No one's ever made a trade. Like, that just blows me away, you know? Like, like I've been in a lot of draft rooms, and I've had the title of general manager and the director of player personnel, but was I in complete control of every draft? No, but I've made trades, and I've made picks, right? I, I, I'm, they're not all my picks. Some of them good, a lot of them bad, whatever, you know? But I, I think what I find fascinating is how the worldwide leader can create a – a, a someone and then continue it on. Like at some point, don't you want a guy who's can analyze the trades, the moves, the value? Like, where is that coming from? It's not McFarland. I mean, you know, Booger's never done it before, right? You know, I mean, I, I just found it fascinating that we didn't have anybody. Kurt Warner's never done it. You know, Michael Irvin's never done it. Like at some point, when do you shift the draft to somebody with some expertise in that area? I mean, look, ESPN's got Tannenbaum. I mean, why isn't Tannenbaum on there? You know, or why isn't Charlie Cashley on there? I mean, at least those guys have been in the room. I'm not saying I would agree with them. So that that was what struck me. And then bookshelves too. Like I'm going to give a shout out to my man Sal Palantonio. He had Gridiron Genius right behind him. I'm proud of him. <laughs> you know, Mike Mike Reese. I'm proud of him. You know, like I was looking for Gridiron Genius. I mean, you know, Lewis Riddick had Bill Walsh's book. He had uh, he had the GM. He had Ernie Acorsi's book behind him. You know, and I'm like, you know, I mean, my book's not good enough to get on your shelf, Lewis. Seriously, you know, like you were on our team in '94. Well, think about. It. I'm sure there. Listen, we all know this too. How many of these guys have actually read these books? You could probably just hire a firm and go, Hey, can you give me a collection of books that will make me look like a real intellectual and somebody who really you know, reads a lot, studies a lot. Yeah, something by Patton. Okay, great. Maybe a little thorough, like a little philosophy. Like, yeah, put it right there, conveniently display it. That's funny. My man Bill uh, was like texting me and, and, you know, he's like, look, Desmond Howard has, he's got, you know, he's got Michael Jackson on the record player behind him. And now it's, now it's Miles Davis. And all of a sudden it went to, you know, Bob Marley or whoever. Like everybody was fascinated with the backdrops of what they had. And, and you're right. Like who's, who, like, did you read these books seriously did you read all these books like come on trey wingo alone on an island in bristol and then having to navigate with all these different people i mean that is an enviable job by trey and and i think technically speaking it went pretty well like you said for you spin to have all those people nfl draft and espn but that's a good point you make mike about no front office guy every single draft you look at the nba draft of course there's always a former gm that's there if you look at any sort of other sport that's that's an interesting point i don't know why they wouldn't considering you spin all the bells and whistles they put out there this is their super bowl yeah you would think so. i mean now obviously seth markham he loves jet people i mean I mean, that's that's why ESPN is filled with jet guys. He's a jet fan. I mean, but wouldn't you want somebody to explain, you know, the situations that are going on, the conversations, you know, because none of those guys and I don't mean it in any disrespect to any of them like and, and I don't and I'm not arrogant enough, but it goes back to Cosell's jockocracy. Like the one thing I know for sure is the players have no idea about the draft. Like when I could still remember when Ozzie Newsom came upstairs and he looked at me and said, I-, I can't fucking believe this. Like, I had no idea what you guys did up here. Like, and, and, and Ozzy just took a pencil and pen out, you know, and a notebook out. He started writing shit down and he was painted. But they have really no idea. And, and it, when they get out of the game, I mean, like, seriously, how many players do you think Michael Irvin watched it for this draft to prepare for? <laughs> like, you know, like, 
like I mean, like Lewis and 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 uh, poor Todd McShay had coronavirus, but I mean, you know, like a Daniel Jeremiah. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah is a great guy. I think he's tremendous, but he's he's been an area scout. He's never made a pick, you know. And, and I think he does a tremendous job. But uh, to me, you're you're the worldwide leader. You're running. You got the draft. Like you got to have somebody. Like there's. There's a thousand guys. You go Randy Mueller. You can go get like there's Jerry Angelo. There's guys on the street that could come in there and start explaining it to you and tell you exactly what's going on, you know. But they they just you know it's 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 it doesn't fit the narrative. And the worldwide leader can generate the story, right? You know, I mean Mel's been doing this for a hundred years, but like Mel's like like they would be good to have somebody that's actually made a pick on TV. Well, that's a good point you made, Mike. As well as far as the fact that listen. It's a different year. We obviously missed Todd McShay. It would have been nice to have him and Mel going back and forth. But as far as a moment that I think if there had been a live presence there, you would have heard the crowd clamoring, the guys getting fired up, was when Green Bay trades up for a quarterback and life coming full circle. In 04, the Packers selected Aaron Rodgers as the heir apparent to Brett Favre. Now, Rodgers, right around the same age as Favre, 2020, the Packers trade up to 26 to select Jordan Love. This is surprising because you would have thought, hang on, the Packers are going to get another weapon for Aaron Rodgers, a wide receiver perhaps, and a deep wide receiver draft. And we all know Aaron Rodgers, probably not going to take this well. Although, you try to learn from the past, Mike, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. You hope he'll handle it better than Brett Favre. But I was surprised by this pick for the Packers. They really fell in love with Love. Yeah, they did. And, and, I, and, and I, I asked this question. There's a, 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 a buddy of mine, not, not in the league, but kind of wired into Green Bay. And I said, did you think, because I kind of had a sense that Green Bay was thinking about Love. People in the league had told me, and I said, do you think that that Green Bay knows that Aaron Rodgers is on on the downside? Like, I, I know it's not popular narrative to talk about Aaron Rodgers being on the downside, but let's just have some facts here. You know, from 2008 to 2014, Aaron Rodgers averaged 8.2 yards per attempt over that span. Okay, since 2014, when he was at 8.4, the last five years, he's averaged 7.1 yards per attempt, 7.1. That's not good. That's not good enough. And considering he's a full yard down from where he was when he was in his heyday, that's a telltale sign that your quarterback's slipping. That's a telltale sign that something's going on. Now, people could say, well, you know, he doesn't have any weapons. Okay, fine. Russell Wilson, you know, does he have a lot of weapons? I mean, Russell will ha- have a bad year. At maybe I think he had one year at like 7-4, but the next year he's right back up to 8-2. You know, it's like at some point, you know, the quarterback makes those plays. And, and I think, look, Rodgers does a tremendous job protecting the football. He doesn't turn it over. But unfortunately, he hasn't made a lot of big plays. And so at 7-1 – you know you're you're clamoring for big plays. Look at the offense that the, that the Packers had last year. I mean, just take an examination of it and just be honest about where they were in in terms of third down offense, twenty third points in the last eight games, twenty third twenty yard plays offensively, twenty sixth opponent able to win the game. I mean, scoring at the end of the half, twenty seventh. Those are all that should be Aaron Wilson's. That should be Aaron Rodgers' hey hey moment, but it hasn't been. So if you're Brian Gutekist and you're saying to yourself, "Look, I'm seeing this decline, and I like this player," I I probably should take a chance up. So the guy said to me, "Oh no, they're fully aware of it. There, they're fully aware of it there in Green Bay." So that made me think, and I think that when New England was on the clock, 
I really thought Miami was going to draft Love. I, I was told that by somebody in the league. I really believe that because the source that told me that's usually never wrong. But obviously, Miami duped me and went to Tua, which we can talk about that later. But I, I think that once New England was on the phone with Green Bay talking about trading down, and then Green Bay pulled out at the last minute. And because of that, I think that you know Green Bay kind of thought that they were going to take Love, and New England ended up trading that pick to the Chargers, who typically never trade anyway. And that's when Green Bay got back onto it. So I, I got to tell you, AD, I applaud Brian Gutekist. I, I think this was, it takes balls, I think. But his job as the general manager of the franchise is to protect the franchise. And I think he did it. Look, Love's not going to play next year. You've already paid Rodgers a mega amount of deal, you know, and Rodgers could say he wants more players. Well, you're not the general manager, Aaron. We'll get you more players, but you're not the GM. Your job is to play quarterback, you know, and my job is to protect the franchise. Yeah, and ultimately you go with the best player available and you look at a long-term future and rather than this. You talked about this yesterday. We were talking about mistakes that people can make sometimes, impulsivity and impatience. And in this case, the Packers are being patient. And yep, he's not the answer right now, but one day he's going to be and we believe he can be our star quarterback. Let's get to Tua Tungavailoa, Mike. You mentioned him. The Dolphins take him at number five. This, to me, was the most interesting pick. Although, actually, you know what? Let's do the Giants just for a second here, number four, because I thought they might go with Tristan Wirfs or Mekhi Becton, something like that. But clearly, Dave Gettleman wanted to go safe here in terms of a tackle. So, the first three were no surprises here. Of course, we knew that Burrow was going to happen. Chase Young. Okuda for the Lions, by the way. I think that's a... We talked about this. That's a... I mean, that's a dicey move at number three. I mean, to have an elite quarter, you think he's going to be worth that? Okay, fine. But the Lions go with Akuda, who a lot of people were expecting to go from the Lions uh, from Ohio State. But I actually wasn't. I was told that the Lions, I think there was a split in the Lions front office, the Lions organization. I think Patricia wanted the defensive lineman. I think Quinn wanted Okuda, Okita, whatever, however you say his name. And it's not since Sean Spring was drafted in 1973 has a corner been picked this high. I mean, Deion Sanders wasn't even picked this high. Rod Woodson wasn't even picked this high. Like, to me, like, if you just take a class, Team Building 101, and you have a defensive lineman who can rush the passer, who can penetrate from the inside against a corner, you know, you got to take the D lineman. I mean, I think Detroit made a blunder, and I think that Matt Rule benefited from it by getting Brown at seven. You know, I, I just think to me it was a really bad pick. And if you're going to take – and obviously they couldn't trade the pick. But I, I think Quinn put his balls on the line here. I, I think he's going to have to see – because there's a lot of people in the league, AD, that think that C.J. Henderson is, is better than Okuda. Okuda. You know, they think he's better. So, you know, there's a lot of debate on this. Plus the kid, plus a lot of people that I talked to in the league couldn't warm up to the kid. You know, it was not a real comfortable thing. And that pick, I think, is really going to be uh, going to be mulled over. And then, obviously, the Giants pick at four. I think, you know, look, I, I, I didn't know what tackle they would. I was thinking they were going to take Wirfs because of the Iowa connection, but they went with they went with Thomas. Yeah, clearly, in this case, the Giants didn't want to make a risky move. And if you look at what people have said, Thomas, a fairly safe decision there at number four. Now we get to Tua. This was the one, Mikey. All right. Are they going to go Herbert? They're going to go Tua? Do they got the balls to do it? Instead, they go with Tua. He's likely going to be a backup next season behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. But clearly, they believe the upside is there. And this is a guy who's been to two national championships, of course. We know he's won one, but he's got 
serious injury concerns. I always like when a team has got some guts. As you said, the Packers were pretty gutsy moving up. But for the Dolphins, this is going to be risk versus reward. I think years from now, when you look at this draft, you say, hey, was Miami smart to take Tua? Or what I believe is going to happen. He's talented, but he's injury prone. Yeah. I mean, this one, I, I, I look, you know how I feel on it. I, I would have never done this. To me, this was this is a really risky position. And, and they're going to they're gonna live and die with it. I mean, look, they rolled the dice. I mean, there was a lot of people in the league that thought they were they were not on him. They thought they were back on Herbert. I was wrong, admittedly, from the information that I got. They they decoyed a lot of people in terms of that. Maybe they wanted Andrew Thomas as the tackle, and they settled on on on, on Tua because he was the highest rated player on their board, and they couldn't get to Detroit. I was told that you know Miami was going to have a hard time getting to Detroit because of the relationship between the. The, between the the Lions and the Dolphins in terms of making that deal between Quinn and 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 between Bob Quinn the general manager and Brian Flores I'm not sure that those two guys are on the same pay, wavelength so maybe they couldn't make a trade and maybe Miami didn't want to make a trade after all maybe they were just setting up smoke screens I think no one will know that for certain but this is a huge risk for me I mean look I I I think and I've been documented on it, and you know we've talked about it. I think you can't ignore it. We're going to see how it's going to work out. And uh, you know, I mean, I thought they were going to go with somebody that they could absolutely say in their hearts, this guy is going to be a blue chip player for the next ten years, and maybe it'll be Tua. I just don't see that. It's an awfully, awfully risky decision. Um, after that, the Chargers get Justin Herbert, a guy who certainly looks the part. Uh, shrieky, as Mel Kuyper said, but when he's been strong, was great in the Senior Bowl. People love the fact he looks the part. Like I said, big, strong, range. He can move things with his legs and his feet. So the Chargers get their quarterback. But here's the one I have for you. And talking about being in the room, this I found to be a very interesting development, as I'm sure you did too, Mike. Five years since there was no movement in the top 10 in the draft. People are thinking there's going to be moves made. No one's doing anything. There was rumors the Dolphins are going to move up for a tackle, but the Dolphins and the Chargers both stayed put, got their quarterbacks. I one of my friends say, conspiracy theory. The NFL had already gotten their picks because they didn't want to have technical snafus and no issues, and that's why it seems so seamless. No trade announced until all of a sudden you see Adam Schefter pop up at 13 when the Patriots went ahead and got Tristan Wirfs to try to protect Tom Brady. Surprised by the way Wirfs is available. Nice move for them. You can slot in at right, right tackle. But what'd you make of the lack of moves in the top 10 for trades? Well, I, I actually think that, you know, that that the Lions and the Giants, as hard as they tried to advertise that, that their ability to trade didn't do it. I mean, obviously Miami felt like that, you know, they didn't have to move to get Tua because of all the noise about him being uh, his health concerns, which there was plenty of them. You know, and then we knew the Chargers were not going to blink. I, I didn't think the Chargers were going to blink. Now, I do know this. I, I do know that Carolina probably had offers for the seventh pick, and Carolina just did the smart thing and they took the defensive lineman. I mean, you know, I'm sure Carolina had a chance to get out of there if they wanted to pick up an extra third round pick. But in reality, why would you do that? Like, just take the best. You, you got a gift. Bob Quinn just gave you the great gift. He just put a gift in your lap. Why not take it? That, and so that's what they did. I think there would have been a movement there. And I think Arizona might have moved if Isaiah Simmons wasn't there. You know, and, and so I think that 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 happened. And so that created not the movement that the Tampa trade with San Francisco to me was shocking because you went up one spot unless you were convinced somebody from behind was trying to get worse. Was it Miami? 
You know, it wasn't going to be Dallas. It wasn't going to be Atlanta. It wasn't going to be Denver. You know, where were you worried about the potential hit from them? You know, that's what I, I couldn't really quite figure that move out. But they did. They gave up. They threw away a fourth-round pick. But they got themselves a right tackle, a guy they need to help with Tom Brady. Yeah, and they're hoping that worse can fall in the line. All those great Iowa offensive linemen, a guy like Brian Bulaga. And like you see, he can step in right away and help out Brady, who is turning 43 in August. Back to a guy you mentioned, Isaiah Simmons, because you're right. He fell in the lap of the Cardinals. I mean, this guy's fantastic. People say Derwin James, a little bit of potential, a former Clemson star. He can play anywhere. I mean, originally there was a thought that he could be going to the Giants at four because of the fact he can do so many things in the field. But you talk about a so-called do-it-everything, Mike. He's got 200-plus snaps at corner, 100-plus inside-outside linebacker, 71 as a pass rusher, 17 as a perimeter corner. Nice pickup for the Cardinals at number eight where you didn't think he might be available. Right, and I think it's all dependent on how, how that Vance Joseph uses him. I mean, and, and that's really going to be the key because he's not really – a linebacker and he's not really a safety he's somewhere in between you know and so when you break down in the Arizona Cardinals defense last year in 23 passing snaps stats on defense 23 of them they were 31st or lower on passing so that involves third all these things right when they blitzed they were 31st when they allowed first downs passing, they were 31st. Plays over 20 yards, 32nd. So their, their, their defense was beyond bad, right? And so they had to do something for them. So now what does Vance Joseph, are they going to be able to do with Isaiah Simmons? There were three props I really liked on VEASAN that I talked about uh, on Thursday. I talked about it on Wednesday. I loved Isaiah Simmons and the over prop. It was over six and a half. I thought that was a win. That was a winner. I love Derek Brown under under eight. That was a winner. And I love C.J. Henderson under 12. That was a winner. Those are three that I felt really good about. And they went right back three in a row, seven, eight, nine. Brown, Simmons, and Henderson. And so, you know, that's a winner, winner, chicken dinner there. I told Pat McAfee's guy, I'm going to do Pat McAfee's show later. I just, you know, I told him on, on Thursday afternoon to only bet as much as only bet as much as you're willing to win on those three props, and, and they came out. So, But I, I think Isaiah Simmons' career is going to be determined by who the coordinator is. Can Vance Joseph use him in the right way? I think that's going to be the key. Cliff Kingsbury and his palatial estate clearly had to show up everybody just sitting there hanging out. I mean, How about that, Unbelievable, man? right? These guys probably put so much effort. There's no way that's his house. Cliff just rented that for the night to look good, didn't he? You know, I <laughs> think real estate's probably pretty cheap in, in, in Scott. Not cheap, but I think, you know, if you're making like what he's making, $6 million a year, I think he can get a pretty palatial state in Scottsdale you know I don't think it's like you know living in the Bay Area you know and so uh but you know hey God bless him you know he's doing well <laughs> you're right the money can go a little further there we're gonna take a quick break here on the GM shuffle when we come back I want to ask Mike about the Cowboys in fact I thought they're gonna take a defensive player instead they take wide receiver CeeDee Lamb and also the Raiders are always gonna surprise you aren't they Damon Arnett in the top 20 didn't see that coming all that more coming up next All right, this is the best time of the year for any sports fan. The college basketball tournament is coming up. Who could get enough hoops? And I'm rooting for Arizona this year. I'm a West Coast guy. I want to see a West Coast team win it. Hasn't been done since 1997. Hopefully the Wildcats can get it done. But regardless of who makes it to the final game in the tourney, one thing's for certain. It takes the most talented people working together to help these teams play at this level. And if you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team 
to help your business go to the next level. And right now, our friends over at ZipRecruiter can help you do that. ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. You can try it out, no cost whatsoever. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for your position. Once you review your list of the most qualified candidates, you can easily invite your top choices to apply so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So I saw a lot of Cowboys fans fired up on my timeline, Mike. They said, listen, they've got to get a defensive player, a defensive back or an edge rusher. They talked about C.J. Henderson. you like, he was gone in the top 10. Agent Terrell was gone a pick before. You still think defense? No. They go with C.D. Lamb giving Dak Prescott another weapon in a wide receiver draft they couldn't resist. What would you think of the play? Because I see some Cowboys fans second-guessing this morning saying you should have gone with defense. Well, you know, I think this. Just watching the TV, watching the – again, I think this is where ESPN really misses somebody that actually had, you know, has made decisions. And, and look, I'm not lobbying for the job. I have no interest. I, I, I don't – I'm don't, not doing that. I'm, I don't want people to think that. But I think we miss the, the dynamics of, the, of what's going on. I could tell from my chair, and I was texting my man Bill – because he's a Cowboy fan. I'm like, you, you, they're not sure what they want to do. Like, I think what happened to the Cowboys is, so there's two boards. We talked about this before. There's two boards. They're the vertical board, which is the players lined up at positions, right? So all the quarterbacks ranked one through 10 or 20, how many you have on your draft board, and then all the receivers. And then there's your horizontal board, which is the value of the players as it relates to different positions. So, you know, if I have an offensive tackle who's a 68, and I have a corner who's a 68, who's the better 68? And it's not based on need. Like somebody's better. Like somebody's better. There's the better player, right? And I think what happened to the Cowboys, AD, is when it came time to their pick, they never suspected C.D. Lamb would be there. I don't think they ever did. And I think that they had him so high on their horizontal board that to take Chase on, who was a guy they were talking about picking, or McKinney, the safety from uh, from Alabama – who they were also talking about picking, just didn't make any sense. And so now they just said, okay, screw it. We're going to stay to our board. We're going to pick the best player. You know, Atlanta, you know, Atlanta could have easily done it, but Atlanta was locked in on a corner. You're not going to tell me A.J. Terrell was graded higher on Atlanta's board than C.D. Lamb. You're just not going to tell me that. Now, you could say, well, they had the same grade. Bullshit. That's a bullshit. That's a lie. That's a lie, too. That's that's a lie. You know, they're not, you know. And so you you just can't you – know, you could make the case that Kinlaw at South Carolina for the 49ers was rated higher than C.D. Lamb. I, I'll go there. But don't tell me A.J. Terrell's rated higher than C.D. Lamb. You just went with your need, which – Fine, that's that's okay. Don't but don't come out talking about how we stuck true to the board. The Cowboys, I applaud them. They stuck true to their board. Look, they're going to be really hard to play on offense. They were hard to play on offense last year. I mean, where the Cowboys got screwed last year is they were thirty first in the National Football League in the close games. They couldn't win a close game, but their offense moved the football. Yeah, they need defensive help, but you know, you put CD now. CD Lamb's on the field, and he's going to go against the third corner. Right, because you know Amari's going to draw the coverage. Gallup's going to get whatever he gets, 
And CeeDee Lamb's going to be the beneficiary of, of probably being a number one player against probably the third corner with Zeke in the backfield. I mean, that's a pretty potent offense. I, I applaud the Cowboys. And you could just see it on their faces. I could see Jerry from his facial expressions and McCarthy. They were surprised the player was there and they did the right thing. You mentioned Atlanta there in passing. Kayleigh Von Chason was on the board at 16. You thought maybe you go to Atlanta, but you're right. They stuck with what they wanted, which was a corner and AJ Terrell. A lot of people thought he was late round one, maybe even round two. So that was an interesting surprise there. Another one here, you mentioned the Cowboys going with who they wanted and CeeDee Lamb, surprised he was there. How about Damon Arnett? The Raiders take him. Red flags for his speed and shorter arms. The league likes tall, long defenders in the boundary. Instead, the Raiders take him, and even though people had him a lot further down on their draft boards, he's a day one starter for that defense. What would you think of Mayock and Gruden going with Arnett? I mean, look, I loved Henry Ruggs. I think Henry Ruggs was was their Tyreek Hill. So I'm not an anti-Raider guy here. I think that was a great pick. I, I, I know a lot of people in the league that loved Ruggs. And Ruggs was a guy that people really respected. And 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 could he's their Tyreek Hill. He can put the ball into the end zone, right? So I, I was I was not against that. But to me, this pick, wow. This is this is like last year. When they pick Farrell, I mean, like, where did this come from? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's one thing to like them, but like, I I know from looking at people's boards, like I'm looking at one board right now that had Damon Arnett in the third round. Had Damon Arnett in the third round. They had Gladney ahead of him. They had the Auburn kid ahead of him. They have the Jalen Johnson kid from Utah ahead of him. Fulton from LSU ahead of him. So like, I'm looking like, like third round. I mean, like at some point, you know, you could say, well, you know, like, okay, for example, Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. People might say Seattle reached for that player. But I'm just telling you, you watch any Jordan Brooks tape, that guy's a really good player. He's short, no doubt. He's short. But that guy's a tackling, tackling machine who gives their defense more speed in the front seven. Remember, when your mic's slow, your defense is slow. They get a will linebacker that can go make plays. I mean, wow, watch out. Jordan Brooks will be a tackling machine for Seattle. I don't fault that one. I just don't see the Arnett pick at all. Like, I didn't get that one. And, you know, look, the Raiders defensively, you couldn't get any worse than they were last year on defense. And I think the Raiders, I'm not sure they've improved on defense this year. You mentioned Jordan Brooks. We feel thought he'd be in the second, third round rage. He lands in Seattle at pick number 27. They opt not to get Patrick Queen. What did you think of the Eagles, Mike? I thought they were going to get Jefferson at LSU. Instead, they go with Jalen Rager. And I already see some Eagles fans annoyed here on Twitter. I mean, listen... They, they did get a wide receiver, which they obviously needed to try to help out Carson Wentz. That graphic they had, you know, the final four games of the year, Greg Ward was the guy who was getting, you know, a lot of playing time because they were so decimated by injuries and the lack of faith in Jeffrey and Aguilar. But what about Rager out of TCU? He's a burner ahead of a guy like Jefferson at LSU. Well, I mean, I think there was a lot of different things on Jefferson. I think Rager has got really inconsistent hands. I think that's the concern. You know, he can run after the catch. He's tough. He's got good burst. I mean, he's 206, so he's got size. He's a little bit raw. It's going to take time. The Arizona State kid, Ayuk, I mean, that guy really, to me, was, was I thought was a better player. You know, I thought he had better hands. Um, and so, like, I like for me, if I were the Eagles, I probably would have taken a – now, the fan base would have gone completely bizarre. I would have taken a linebacker. I would have taken Queen or, you know, Murray – and then come back in the second round and try to get K.J. Hamler. Because I think Hamler can put the ball in the end zone. I think Hamler, I think Ruggs and Hamler are the two guys in this draft that are just like, whoa, they're going to get the ball in the end zone. 
And I know Hamler's 180 pounds and he's small, but he's explosive and he can return. Rieger can return. I just think Rieger's going to be raw. I think if you're an Eagle fan, you got to hope that Rieger comes on really fast. But I have a sense, I have a real sense that 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 Rieger's going to be more impactful, if he's impactful at all, for the 2021 team than he is for the 20 team. As we go by the numbers, here's who was drafted in the first round. Four quarterbacks, six offensive tackles, six cornerbacks, six wide receivers. Four trades were made, and the SEC, 15 prospects in the top 32. It just means more. Closing thoughts, Mike, on round one? Yeah, I mean, look, I thought it was a fun day. I mean, I... I, I, I um you know, I think that we obviously are judging this rather quickly without, you know, in hindsight. But I think, look, you know, you got to be able to say true to your board. You got to do the right thing. I think anytime you take an offensive lineman, I think the Jets getting Beckton at, at 11 is a great pick. You know, the all Jet fans want him to take a receiver. I think Joe Douglas did a really good job. He might have gotten the best tackle in the draft at, at 11. Now he's got some issues off the field, but this is a big man. I think part of this draft is you got to draft big people that can rush the passer, big people that can protect the passer, and also guys that get the ball into the end zone. I mean, get it into the end zone. And Ruggs, for the Raiders, can get the ball in the end zone. Now, I'm not saying C.D. Lamb can and Jerry Judy can't. I think they're all really good players. But I think of the six receivers, I think this game is going to be fun to play. Of the six receivers picked in the first round, three of them aren't going to be good players. It's just, just, it's just the way the numbers are. Who are the three? You know, who are the three? I, and I think that's got to be a concern. All right, one more quick break. We'll come back and we'll discuss rounds two through seven. Some of what moves can be made, which teams are on the clock, all that more coming up next in the GM Shuffle. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. 
my daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule. And that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle, code 25SHUFFLE. All right, so we're going to have a new GM Shuffle out Monday morning. We're going to break down rounds through uh, two through seven, excuse me. Make sure you always follow us on Instagram, at GM Shuffle. Wash your hands. Before we get to the Sopranos quarantine, which I tweeted, which I knew Mike would be all over, uh, also posted on Instagram, just a thought here on fashion. We talked all about the rooms, Mike. How about the Zoot Suit Riot? Trey Wingo in the pinstripes or Michael Irvin with whatever he was wearing? Which one would you be more likely to wear? I'm more of a, of a gray guy. You know, when you got 17 chins and you're fat, you tend to try to get color to tone it down. The brightness would have just made me, I would have looked like a fucking clown if I had Michael, just, you know, <laughs> all I would have needed with the bozo thing on my head. I mean, seriously. So I thought, you know, I mean, look, I, I mean, I, I, it, I think the one thing that draft really called for was casual. It should have been casual draft day. You didn't need the coat and tie. I mean, Howie Roseman's at his house in a coat and tie. Like seriously, Howie, you could have wore <laughs> like you could have wore sweats. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, you got dressed up to go to work day. Yeah, Howie definitely taking it way too seriously. I like the like Doug Peterson. Like he's hanging out. I like people seeing with their kids. Right, just kind of hanging out, having a good time. That's all you need to do. But yeah, uh, you know, enjoy the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, they're they're part of it. You're working from home. Hell, they've had to deal with you too. You know, it's like you know they got into the picture. It's it, it, it's kind of of a rewarding moment, you know, and I and I think that you know I, I don't you know you could have had a little bit you could have a little levity to the situation. No question. Speaking of levity, somebody who loves the Sopranos like you and I do did the choose your quarantine house. I tweeted it Adnan S. Farrakh, and of course Mike retweeted it, M Lombardi NFL. It's amazing. There's there's literally five people in each house. There's six houses. I'm going to tell you the houses that Mike and I like the most. I don't read through all of them, but I thought house three pretty good. Mike, you get Silvio. Adriana, Ralphie, <laughs> Polly, and Carmela. Here's my thought. Carmela can cook. Adriana, I mean, golly, obviously enough said. The problem is Ralphie, of course, is a wild card, and Ralphie and Polly might kill each other, but still, I think, might be able to keep the peace there. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, you know, it, it's funny. Like, who who came up with that? Where did that come from? Somebody DM'd me on Instagram and said, hey, you and Mike are going to love this, and I took it and ran with it right away. So I don't know who came up with it, but this is hysterical. It, it, it's fabulous. You know what I mean? Look, I, and and I and I was, like, looking for, I, I was like, where the hell is, where the hell is my girl, Annalisa Zucca, you know, from Italy? And she, and she was in 
in house four. I was feeling like Sophia Milos wasn't wasn't getting the love and respect. That would be a tough house. I mean, could you imagine being in with Richie Aprile, Furio, Janice, Artie Bucco? I mean, like I picked house one because of Gloria. I mean, Gloria's in house one, so naturally I, you know, I picked that. But I mean, that's, you know, you got Melfi in that house. Jackie Jr., you could ignore him. Him and Noah Tannenbaum cancel each other out, you know. I asked my son, Mick, who what house he would go in. He was like all over house three because Carmela's cooking, you know, and, and, and Adriana's in there. But how about house six? You know, as much as I love Uncle Junior, could you imagine being in there with AJ and Livia? House six is the all-time worst. Just to go back for a sec, you mentioned house four. Annalisa, unbelievable. But Artie, like you said, he's so neurotic. I mean, he'd be wearing you out. Janice is a disaster. Furio, I like. You can dance with him. And, and Richie, I do think, is a psycho. So he's him and Janice together. I mean, forget about it. But you're right. House six, Mike, that's one of the circles of a hell, according to Dante. But who the hell's picking house six? Uncle Junior, we love. He's funny as hell, but he's also senile. Johnny Sack, he's just smoking away. AJ Soprano, no, pain in the ass. Hesh? Like, Hesh is going to be gambling, talking about the horses. And Livia Soprano, the matriarch from hell. House six is a disaster. Oh, my God. And then, like, like, like house two on the surface, like, okay, you got Tony, Ginny Sack, Charmaine. I mean, you know Charmaine's just going to be taking shots at Tony the whole time. You got Puss, and then you got the Russian maid arena in there. Like, like that house has got no – there's nothing in it. And then the always the question is, if you're in that, who's cooking, right? Charmaine ain't cooking, right? And G- somebody said to me, well, Ginny Sack. Can cook. I, I don't think so. I don't think Ginny said. I mean, I saw the sandwiches that 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 uh, Johnny Sack was eating in his house. They didn't look very good. Like like Millie's lunch game is way up during quarantine time than than ever. You know, it's like at the highest level. I don't think Jenny Sack's lunch game is very high. And then like House Five, you got Meadow Bobby, you got Christopher Moltisanti, you got Rosalie and Philly uh, Leotardo. Like like okay, can Rosalie actually cook? I'm not sure. Yeah. That's a hard one. My second choice after House 3, because Carmela was House 5, because listen, Meadow, love her. Bobby, I think, is a great guy. Plus, I could hang out with the, with the toy trains. I mean, Chrissy and I could watch a lot of old movies. So I said, you know what? Multisanta would get along great with the movies. Rosalie, I think, is sweet. And Phil, I'm a little worried about. Phil might go psycho. We're going to keep him sequestered. But to your point, I don't know who's cooking. But could you imagine? I'd watch a lot of movies with Chris, and Bobby with the trains would be great. Yeah, and, and I think this, that, you know, if you just pick the one character in each house that was definitely going to disregard this, the the the, uh, the 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 rules of 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 distance and six feet and and spatial awareness. You got to think Philly would come down with coronavirus. Like he's just he's not going to give a shit. Like he's going to absolutely convince himself that he can't get sick. Right? You know. <laughs> I mean, so you know if you're in house five, you're going to get sick because Phil's going to be out there doing something stupid, you know? You got to take that into consideration. I knew you were going to be all over house one. As soon as I saw Gloria, I said, okay, Mike's going to house one. But you're right. Noah, that guy's annoying. But you're right. Him and Jackie Jr., you just kind of ignore them. Vito can cook. And then if you have any issues, just go talk to Melfi. Like, you have a shrink literally in the house. Exactly. I mean, Vito can flat out cook. And, you know, so you got to cook. And you got Gloria. And you got Melfi. And, and you know, like, to me, they're, you got at least have decent and conversations and Junior and Jackie Jr. and Noah. I mean, you know, you know, it, 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 it's so bad. I mean, I, I could just ignore that. But to me, this was so good. I love this. Like, what house would you go in? It was the best. And I, I love that <laughs> our, our guy from the Star Ledger, who's formerly with the Star Ledger, 
was engaging in it too. You know, I thought that was awesome too. Oh, Alan Steppenwall, he was all over it. That's right. He loved it. I mean, he loved it too. And you know, like the the one uh, one thing too is like, where's Jeannie Kuzumano? She wasn't in it enough, but the the actress who played I Dream of Jeannie, like she couldn't be in this because she actually was just a dream character, <laughs> right? So I th- I think they covered it really well. I loved it. Just to reiterate just how bad House 6 is. Literally, close your eyes, everybody, and think about living in a house. Right now, I know everyone's stir-crazy. Everybody wants to go get a haircut. Everybody wants to go to a bar, get a drink, have some food. But think about if you're living in this house. This is how we're going to close the GM Shuffle. Uncle Junior, Johnny Sack, AJ Soprano, Hesh Rabkin, and Livia Soprano. No chance, Mike. Talk to you Monday. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's gonna keep me on track with my gut health, and DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast, boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you gotta do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle code 25SHUFFLE.